If you've been trying to figure out how to get sponsors or how to get the right sponsors, how to cultivate relationships and how to leverage strategic partnerships, then this is the conversation for you. Sheila FG is an expert in sponsorships and strategic partnerships, and she breaks it down. After listening to this, you will have some actionable steps that you can take right now. So have a listen. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have a super exciting guest. We have Sheila FG, founder of Connected Sponsors, and she is heavily into strategic partnerships. Sheila, we're so excited to have you. Please introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you, Priscilla. I'm so excited to be here. This is awesome. My name is uh, Sheila Farher Jama, or Sheila FG is always a lot easier for everyone. I've been an entrepreneur for just a little over 25 years now. I started when my daughter was born. I did not want to continue to work. I wanted to have the freedom to be at home with her whenever I needed to be, but also needed to kind of make some money and live. (laughs) So that was kind of where my start was. And I've had like multiple different businesses. I exited two successfully, which has been really cool. I had one disaster, which was not so cool. And the last 10 years I've worked on sponsorship and throughout I've worked with strategic partners. That's always been a big part of my success. So I'm just uh, so happy to be here and chatting with you today. I think a lot of our audience who are moms really understand that wanting to be with their child, but also needing money and, you know, getting into entrepreneurship that way. How did you get started? Because I know you're not from the United States, but I'll let you give us a little bit about your story. Sure. So I grew up in Ireland, went to college in Ireland. And towards the end of my college, um, just before I took my finals, there was a senator in America giving out green cards to the Irish. So my father applied. We used to always call him the frustrated yank. He applied and we ended up all getting one except for him. He eventually got one as well. I didn't really know what I was doing after college. It was a recession in Ireland. So jobs weren't that plentiful. I just applied for jobs all over the States and I got accepted to one in Boston. So I came over thinking for a year, if anyone had ever told me that when I got on that plane, that like I'd never go back and not that I haven't ever gone back since, but this would be kind of a permanent move. I probably wouldn't have gone because that was just way too scary to even think about. But I came over here, started working in that job that I got is in biotech. And eventually met my husband, got married, had a child. Once I had that child, it kind of changed everything. I just really, really wanted to be there for her. I had a second child afterwards. So I started that first business, which was actually a toner remanufacturing business, which this was back in like 1996 before that was really a thing. I ran it out of my basement. I just called on accountants because I figured they did a lot of printing and started building up a clientele. And that's one of the ones that I ended up selling. It just kind of started that entrepreneurial path. Prior to that, I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur but now as I look back on like things I did as a child and stuff I think it was always there like under the surface I just assumed that I would get a job and have a career and which I guess I had but it's just a different career to most people so I'm listening to you talking I'm hearing Irish I'm hearing kind of a Boston yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) it all gets it's funny because like anyone over here thinks that I have a really thick Irish accent and then I go home they're like oh you're so American I'm like well yeah I live there you know (laughs) it becomes weird like when you emigrate you go on a long path and then it gets divided off so you're no longer like I'm still Irish but I'm no longer Irish like the people who stayed in Ireland I'm certainly not American but I've lived here for so much of my life now that I'm kind of you know it's like a no man's land of like who am I (laughs) I totally understand you there Sheila I'm going to dive into this so you specialize in strategic partnerships 
what should the early entrepreneur be looking for, focusing on as they're starting out in terms of strategic partnerships? Absolutely. So one of my favorite words is leverage. You can do a lot on your own. You can do even more with the partner. When I started that first business, I joined BNI, which is Business Network International. Do you guys have that in Australia? I'm pretty sure you do. It's a group of business professionals that get together and each chapter has one per profession. So there's no like direct competition in there. And, you know, the first time I went to a meeting, I was just kind of blown away by how my people were looking to help me and to find referrals for me and help me find business and just you know and then of course reciprocity kicked in because they were just doing so much for me I was like oh my gosh I gotta do something back for them and that's exactly how it works that their whole motto is givers gain but that really helped me build up that business and it opened my eyes to working with other people so like to take a simple example like if you have a realtor they can have a mortgage broker that they work with all the time and they're passing business back and forth to each other all day long they can have a home inspector banks anything else that you can think of that you need in a home when you're moving in maybe like a carpet company or renovations or all that kind of stuff so these are all people who have the same demographic that they're going after so they all have the same clients but they're not in competition with each other so if you can find in your business somebody who's kind of Again, not in competition with you, but going after the same type of client and you guys can do stuff together. You can endorse each other. There's so many different things you can do. Like, I mean, I had somebody who actually eventually became my business partner. When I started the toner business, he had an IT business and he just, I didn't ask him. He just sent out letters to all of his clients saying, I just met this woman who repairs laser printers and sells remanufactured toner cartridges. And she's amazing. And it just brought all this business into me. And I was like, oh, wow. It was great for him because he was giving value to his clients. Uh, It was great for me because I got a whole bunch of new clients. We actually became fast friends, still are to this day and have been in many businesses together ever since then. But it's just, we really come from a place of abundance. And if you look at it from that point of view versus like, you know, this is my business, I got to keep it all. You know, I can't give it to anyone else or I'll lose it. Always going out there trying to serve first, I think really will help you find those partners and find people who kind of think like you as well in terms of that type of mindset of abundance. A lot of times you think you should do everything on your own and then entrepreneurship becomes this really hard and heavy thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lonely thing. Yes. It's funny, just to finish up on that, I remember talking to somebody once in a real estate office and I was talking about kind of a real estate franchise and I was like, you guys should go into Ireland. There's nobody there. It would be great. And the guy turned around to me and said, we could. He says, I believe another big real estate company is going in there. So I just feel like they can build the road and then we can follow along. And it's sometimes it's like have somebody build the road for you or build the road together rather than being this isolated you know, entity trying to do everything. We're all trying to get to a certain place. So if you can do it together with partners, if you can do it together with help, it's just going to go so much quicker. And sometimes you'll find out that the way you thought you were going to get there isn't the most efficient way. We can have kind of blinkers on. It's like, this is my plan. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to go head down and just get it done. And sometimes it's not the most efficient way. So having that kind of sounding board and people that you can bounce ideas off and stuff like that, I think is hugely important as well. Very true. Now, as a serial entrepreneur, you've got like 25 years doing this. What are your top three lessons? The first one has to be listen to your gut and with the caveat that listen to your gut, but make sure your gut isn't lying to you or make sure it's not fear or something else that's disguising itself as your gut. Like I've had successful businesses. I had one that really wasn't successful. It kind of almost wiped me out. And there was one pivotal moment when that was happening that I was just sitting, we were making a big decision about something. And I was sitting there and my gut was screaming at me, this is too hard. This shouldn't be so hard. We've got to think about this. This shouldn't be too hard. And I'm just like in my head saying, no, you're an entrepreneur. You push through, you never stop 
three feet short goal, just kind of keep pushing, keep pushing. And I did. And it was the wrong decision. So sometimes give yourself a break and kind of just sit back and think about that or meditate on it or whatever. Just give yourself that little bit of time to distinguish, like, is this my gut or is it just fear? Is it something that, you know, I need to address, not address? So that would be my biggest lesson. Obviously, you know, I'm all about strategic partners. So if there's a way to do this easier, let's do that. You know, if there's a way to leverage someone else's help or someone else's resources, let's always do that. It doesn't have to be you on your own. There's no badge of honor of working the hardest. Let's just try and work the smartest. And then the third one I would say is have fun. Life is too short. I truly believe when you build a business for yourself, it should be built to support you and your goals and what you want to get out of life. So we kind of have to figure out what that is first, because for some of us, it's hard. It's like, we don't know what we want. We literally don't. But to build a business around that versus building yourself a job that's now 80 hours versus 40 hours and you don't get paid. (laughs) So... Those would be the three. Those are three great ones too. Would you mind telling us about the business that you said you're sitting there and your gut is screaming, let this go. And you are just, you know, entrepreneurs do this. So yeah, I can yeah, do yeah. it. I'm happy to talk about it. We were investing in apartment buildings. There was a group of five of us that were partners. Towards the beginning of the business, we had an apartment building under contract. It was 120 units. And we had one coming right behind it and one coming right behind that. And when it came to getting the financing, a personal guarantee was required. And at the time, I was the person who kind of had the assets to back a personal guarantee. So it meant me signing the personal guarantee. And then the other four partners were going to back me up on that, which actually didn't happen. It was like Chinese water torture. It all went astray. It was a couple of years of like litigation and all kinds of just nasty stuff. So at that time, I think if I'd stopped and the reason I didn't stop was because, you know, it was part of the entrepreneurial thing. But if we hadn't moved forward with that first building, the other buildings wouldn't have happened, which, you know, in retrospect would have been okay, would have been a good thing that they didn't. But we did move forward and then, you know, ended up in this just like really precarious position for a while. The year was 2008. So that gives you an idea of what was Mm -hmm. going on in the world as well. People ask me, they're like, are you upset about that? Like, it's affected me for sure. But it's like, it's life. You've got to take the lesson and move on. You can't just wallow in it for the rest of your life it's just not worth it so I guess a fourth piece of advice would be don't be afraid to make mistakes I mean if you do make mistakes learn from them and take the lesson and move on and you'll do better the next time yeah that's a really important story to tell because I think a lot of times especially when you're starting out as an entrepreneur and you're searching stuff online and you're listening to podcasts it just seems like everyone's so wildly successful yes and yeah, overnight can, success it only took yeah, 10 years you can feel like oh I've got to get in on the action and you totally ignore all the facts on the ground just because yeah. All the voices that you're hearing are like, you, you can be successful, you can be successful. So it's a great story to share. Now, what about your two successful exits? Which one is your favorite one? So the one that's kind of my favorite is the one that was less successful. So when I had the Tony business, I had it for about eight years. Towards the end of that, I had two employees working for me, which allowed me to step out of the business a little bit. And I actually started two others at the same time, which was craziness. One of them was a kid's indoor playground, which was the second exit that I had. And the second one was a real estate data service called Foreclosures Mass, where we foreclosure data to investors and also taught people how to invest in foreclosures. When that was happening, like that winter, I literally got strep throat probably about six or eight times that winter. I was like so run down doing everything. And the two employees I had, one of them was from California and she was going to move home. The other one who was kind of like a technician, he did all of my repairs and everything, was going to grad school. So he was quitting as well. So within a couple of weeks, both of them told me, you know, that they were planning on leaving. And I was kind of like, okay, 
okay, what do I do? I think I need to shut this down because, you know, I just don't have the bandwidth to hire more people and train them. I can't do it myself. As I was kind of thinking that through, I was like, well, why don't I try and sell it? And I called up a woman who uh, lives in the same state as me who had the same business. And we kind of talked a few times before about business and stuff. And I just said, hey, would you be interested in buying me? And she's like, uh, yeah, probably. And she actually made an offer on the phone and asked me to send my financials. So I sent my financials up to her and she called me back and she's like, thank you. I received them. Now the offer is half. And I'm still like, okay, I'll still do it because, you know, I'm planning on shutting this down. So, you know, whatever. And I was happy that there was continuity for my clients that I built up because I had a great relationship with them. So I could kind of hand them off to somebody else. So they weren't suddenly left stuck as well. And I think the reason it's my favorite was because it was kind of unplanned and it was kind of one one of those like making lemonade out of lemons scenarios for me is like probably easier to just shut it down and I don't know what made me think out of the box like that but I'm glad I did because it was it also gave me a boost and it's like it's an amazing thing to say I've had two exits you know that's just like you say that to people and they're like oh wow you know you must be something I'm like not really but you know it did happen <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. You had this business and then you start two other businesses. This is a great mm-hmm. point, especially for early entrepreneurs, because sometimes we're like full of ideas. We're thinking of starting this over here and then this comes up and it's really great. We want to start that over there. And we're like, well, maybe we can just juggle everything together and what would you say about that and what advice would you give to any entrepreneur so uh, let me just start by saying this is advice that i do not take for myself (laughs) because i'm always like that it's like i'm like oh look squirrel (laughs) what else can i do um so yeah it's tough i mean you really need to focus on things for you know at least until you have them up and running and going and you've kind of replaced yourself in the business it's really tough at the beginning as a startup because you're doing everything and you can't afford to hire people because you're not making enough money yet like my advice would be to stay focused what i actually do is the exact opposite in the world there are creators which i consider myself a creator i love starting things and then there's implementers so i feel like your earliest partner either a strategic partner or employee or whatever is someone who can literally walk around behind you and clean up it's like okay i'm starting this okay well now i'm this person's going to walk in behind me and set it up all the systems and make sure it's working and everything because you're on to the next thing so if you can find that person and there are people out there that that is what they love to do they would hate to be an entrepreneur they would hate to be doing anything they were doing but they love the organization and getting down into like i'm not detail oriented so just getting down into the the thick of it i'm just like oh i'm so bored find that person or people that can kind of start building it in behind you so or filling it in behind you i guess is the the term so you can still kind of move forward and have the ideas and make the connections and start making it happening but you need somebody coming right behind you cleaning everything up and, and making it all nice and pretty and wrapping it up in a bowl because otherwise it's just going to become chaos and you'll end up losing it probably absolutely great advice usually lean to one side yeah. And to develop that other side also will take you a whole lot of time. Sometimes it's just not you. Well, that's it. It's like if you start doing stuff that isn't you, I mean, the, the whole thing, getting back to what I was saying, build a business that supports you. It really is that. It's like if you don't like doing something, don't do it. Life's too short. I mean, you know, I don't mean just never do anything you don't like, but try and fill that, delegate it, or just don't do it. In an ideal world, you should never be working because what you're doing isn't work. It's just like, it's your passion. It's what you love and you'll do it all day long and not consider it work. You know, as soon as any kind of drudgery comes in, it's like, it's time to revisit and say, you know, what am I doing here? Is this what I really want to be doing? 
that's my thought anyway. It may be totally wrong, but this might be people listening to this going, oh my God. <laughs> well, if they're listening and they think there's something else, then they need to comment and leave us a review. And we're going to come back go. to yes, Sheila yes. and yeah, let yeah. her know what we think. Exactly. I would love the feedback. Because that's the other thing as an entrepreneur, you're in this like bubble. You don't get any feedback from anyone. So it's great to hear it back. True. What are the common mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to building relationships with sponsors? Actually, maybe I'll take us back a little bit. Maybe you can tell us mm -hmm. a little bit about sponsorships and how to go yep. about it. And then we can go into the mistakes we commonly make. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So sponsorships, the way I look at it, and I do a lot around platforms. The main platform I find sponsors for is generally events. You need to curate who you're bringing in. So you look at the event and the people attending your event are coming, looking for some sort of transformation. So they're looking to learn something, to improve something, to fix something in their lives or their business or whatever it is. As the event or platform, owner, you want to look at, or the person finding the sponsors for it, you want to look at what are the resources that these guys need. So they're going to come into, if you're thinking events, they're going to come into a ballroom and learn from you for a day or a couple of days. What are the resources that they're going to need to be successful? And that's who you're going to bring in as sponsors. So you kind of think of it when you come at it from a different angle, like a lot of times I'll hear people ask, you know, oh, how much can I bring in sponsors? And maybe I'll get Coca-Cola in here or to your Listeners or attendees need Coca-Cola. If you can kind of curate like that, I always think of events, but it can be any other platform that you're in a room learning something. And when you walk out, it's almost like you're walking out into the mall of all these resources that you need. Some of them may be too advanced for you right now. Some of them may be just what you need to move you forward because we're always trying to move people forward and have them be successful quickly. So they get that kind of momentum going and do better and better and better and they're not getting stuck. You just kind of want to think about how to curate it. And that's kind of what I talk a lot about is finding sponsors that work for you versus just kind of the blanket going to the sponsor directory and finding a sponsor. You're thinking about how to make sure that whatever it is that you're teaching or coaching or presenting, how you can guarantee that success for your customer, your audience. Those are the sponsors you're looking for. You're not just looking for any person with money. When you do that, when you look for somebody with money or you're just like, it's money focused, it's, you're not really serving the sponsor either. A sponsor is a strategic partner. They're a strategic partner that happens to pay you cash upfront for what they're getting, but they're still a strategic partner. And if you do it properly, they're just going to keep coming back year after year after year because they're being fed. I use this Venn diagram when I talk about this and it's like where it intersects in the middle is where you really have that win. So you have sponsors who are looking for leads they're looking for new customers for whatever it is they do you have students who are looking for resources to help do what they do quicker and more successfully and then you as the platform owner you're bringing value to your students but you're also bringing leads to your sponsors so everyone's kind of feeding everyone's being fed on the deal everyone's getting something out of it so there's no reason for that not to continue to exist as long as everyone's getting what they need. So you kind of have to take it from that point of view versus like, where can I get $100,000 to put on this event and pay for the coffee and the extremely expensive food at hotels, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's not just about money. I mean, it is about money, but it's not just about money. There's so much more to it and when you do it properly. That's a whole lot of value right there. That's enough for someone to take that away and figure things out. Now, what are the common mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making in that area? The first one is what I just spoke about is just kind of looking at it from a point of view of money. Mm -hmm. You know, so I will bring anyone in here as a sponsor as long as they're willing to pay. I think that's a mistake and then not cultivating that relationship. So if you bring a sponsor in, you want to make sure from start to finish that they're getting everything that they need. There's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of 
check-ins to make sure they're happy that they're getting what they need that we're pivoting a little bit if we need to to make sure that their needs are met as well because this is a long-term thing it's like going on a date with someone and showing up like not even half dressed you know no makeup not really caring not listening to the other person not really caring as long as you get the free dinner you want to go in there with the mindset of you know i want to make this into a long-term thing i want to make this work for everyone and have everyone be happy event owners sometimes they're just like you know it's always a red flag question for me uh, when I talk to them, they're like, well, how much money can you bring in? And it's like, well, how much value can you bring your sponsors? <laughs> you know, it's it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not just the money. It's an important piece of it, but you really have to kind of think it through all the way to make sure that everyone's getting value. I like that you say that it's like you're coming for a date and you're just there for the meal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't be back for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> Don't just show up for the meal, people. Uh, Sheila, since we're on the topic of sponsors, as an early entrepreneur, before you approach a sponsor, what's your general list that you should have? What do you want to say? How do you want to say it? So that you show yourself that you're really there to serve, like you said. So again, you want to make it all about the other person. When I'm working with a new sponsor, I always try and get in a call with them and really get a feel for what their goals are, what they're looking to achieve in their business. I absolutely need to know what their ideal client is because I don't want to bring them events that aren't their ideal client. It's a waste of everyone's time. So there's a lot of like getting to know you in the beginning to make sure that I have that. So now when I call up sponsors, first of all, I won't call them for something that I know isn't going to work. It's not even worth the call. So when I do call them, they know it's kind of a legit thing that, you know, there's something in there for them. And when you approach them, you want to approach them in the what's in it for me, as in what's in it for the sponsor. So, you know, I'm working on this event. It's going to be attended by this type of person. I know your company in the past has done well with this type of person. Do you think this would be helpful to you? And then if you know the the goal is to add so many new clients or to have a revenue boost or whatever it is that their goal is, just talk back into how it feeds into their goals. And you you got to really make it all about them, um, which is sales 101 anyway. It's like, you know, build value in what it is that you're trying to sell. And if there's value there for them, just don't even approach them with it. It's not, don't waste anyone's time. Yeah, that's great advice. I love that you really focus on your reputation. Your reputation is something. Yeah. And we can be in a conversation, you know, where I think it was a good fit for them. And as we're talking, like, I'll turn around and say, you know what, I don't know if this is going to be the best fit for you. And this is why. And, you know, just put it all out there. They'll appreciate that so much more that when you do come back with something else, it's like they'll know that it wasn't just you trying to make a sale. It was you trying to actually help them. Now, Sheila, how does a business develop sponsorship assets? It's a lot of the stuff that you probably already have. But honestly, the first thing I will do is I will ask the sponsor, what is it that they want? So what makes uh, sponsorship a no-brainer for them? A lot of times we put a lot of time into creating this whole kind of fancy deck pitch that we, we have this, that, and the other. And they really couldn't give a toss about that. What they need is this one thing and we don't even have it included. So having those conversations as well, you can have like a general kind of outline of what you think the sponsorship is going to look like but having the conversation with them and say what's worked for you in the past like what's been a really great sponsorship for you and why was that so great and what was it that made it so great for you for a lot of sponsors it's having stage time it's it's always exposure to the attendees like that's what they're looking for but you know how can we make it so that kind of integrated into the whole event and it's of great value to you 
And then how can we put a price on that and figure out what that's going to be worth to you? You know, I always try and come at things like from a different direction to the usual way that people do things. It's like, maybe we don't want to do that. Maybe, maybe if we come at it from another direction, we'll see kind of another path to it. So just kind of looking at it like that. Sometimes we think it's guesswork. We're thinking, yeah. oh, maybe they would want to work with me. Maybe they wouldn't want to work with me. Maybe if I say, and we're just... Yeah spinning wheels instead of just finding out <laughs> and that's what our brain does it's, it's awful it's like you know it's the soundtrack going on in our head saying oh they won't pick me why would they pick me i'm not worthy exactly. you know it's just have the conversation with them they're humans too they might have the title sponsor but they're humans and it's just like what are you trying to achieve like maybe we can make that happen for you and, and sometimes it's something so simple that it's like wow i can do that for a, a drop of a hat and just it makes a big difference for them so it's just really having that communication and understanding what it is they're looking to achieve and what they're trying to do and then if there's a way that you can help them with that and sometimes it's stuff that happens outside of the sponsorship sometimes i just make an introduction to them to somebody else that i know that you know is going to get them there and like there's no commission there's no money exchange it's just like hey let me reach out and introduce you to this person it all comes around in the end i don't keep track of it coming around because that's not the way i am but it kind of does like if you go in with a servant's heart and you're giving at the end of the day it just it just works now, Sheena, what do you think has been the secret to your success in business? Because when I'm listening to you, I think I know what it is, but I, I'd want to hear from you what you think it is. <laughs> now I'm curious <laughs> to know what you think it is. It's funny. So I used to work as a director in BNI a long time ago, and one year they decided they were going to do reviews. So it was like a part-time thing. I had a couple of chapters that I was over, and so I sat down to lunch with the person who was kind of directly over me, I guess, who I reported to, um, to do this review. And it was just really kind of like, it's really weird. But he said to me, and I did not know this about myself, which seems ridiculous, but I did not know this about myself. He says, you know what, Sheila? He's like, the thing I like about you is you come to me with a problem and a solution at the same time. So you've already figured out what it is or several solutions. So, okay, we're having this issue and this is the way I think we could resolve it. What do you think? Um, he says, most people are like, we're having this problem stop and they're just waiting for someone else to do it. So mm -hmm. I think that has helped me a lot. I kind of just don't focus on the problem. I focus on, uh, you know, the solutions that you can make to it, whether they're right or wrong, and then just moving forward. Even if it's wrong, let's let's fail quickly and figure that out and keep moving. But now I'm curious, what was your thought? <laughs> I was wrong. Relationships, you seem to have yeah. just a keenness and an understanding of what makes great business relationships or relationships that's in general, true, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, th I think that's probably um, something as well. You can do a lot alone, but it's so much funner when you do it with other people. Yeah, for sure. Did you always just have this abundance about you or you develop? I don't know, but I'm really an introvert. So I'm quite, I wouldn't say shy, just introvert. Once people get to know me, I'm not shy at all. But like when I was a kid, like remember I said there was like ideas of being an entrepreneur when I look back in my life. When I was younger, I was probably about I don't know, eight or nine or something, seven or eight, I decided I was going to have this camp in our neighborhood. So kids like summer camp type thing. But I was uh, too shy to like, actually, and I was trying to charge the kids like penny or something. <laughs> it was like, no more to be at this thing. And I was going to run the whole thing and everything. But I am um, too shy to actually ask anyone to come into it. So I made my little sister who was four years younger go out and round up all the kids. Nobody paid, by the way, but that was fine. That wasn't really the point. But she was the one who went out and rounded up all the kids and everything because I was too shy to ask. So I don't know. It's like the relationships are there, but it's um, 
I, I guess I, I tend to be strategic about relationships, which kind of sounds cold because I don't feel like I'm cold in it. But I always try and go in with a plan. I think like if I'm going to a networking event or I'm going to an event where I know certain people are going to be there, I want to make sure that I hit the people that I feel like I need to talk to. And I kind of have an agenda in my own head, even though it doesn't come off as I have an agenda, but I still am strategic to make sure that like, I don't walk away from there not having talked to them. I think that's the right way to approach things, especially when you are going to such an event. Do you write down or sit down and prepare? Okay, this person's going to be there. This person's going to be there. And this is what I can offer them or what they need. I just kind of think about it in my head. What is the message I want them to leave with? What is the impression of me that I want them to leave with if I don't know them? And then how can I kind of bring that up in conversation? So I'll definitely seek them out and probably say something like, hey, I heard that you were or your company is doing something, something, something. You know, I kind of had an idea around that, that I want to run by and see what you thought and just kind of, you know, again, make it all about them because people love talking about themselves with probably the exception of myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Make it all about them and just bring value. People feel like they get something from me. So they like see me coming because they they know they're going to receive some sort of value. I know personally when I get into conversations with people that it's all about them and just me, 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 me. I just like a zone out. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, So just like bring value. If I can make a positive impact on someone's life, even in just a small way, I think that's great. There's been so much in this conversation that I think the audience is just going to take away and learn a lot that's going to help them to really level up in their business. So thank you so much for that, Sheila. If you could only pick two skills, what would they be and why? Drive would be one of them. Just to stay mm-hmm. driven, stay, you know, keep moving forward, one foot in front of the other, no matter what. And the other one that's served me very well is empathy. So just kind of understand where the other person is coming from. Like we all have kind of like our point of view of everything. So which is, of course, the right point of view because it's our point of view. So just having that empathy to somebody else, you know, just seek to understand that somebody else may be coming at this from a totally different direction and understanding their point of view and where they're coming from and knowing that we're not all necessarily right. We're not wrong either, but we're not right. Like there are many different ways and there's so much to be learned from people who think differently from you. Like if you really drill down into it, have you ever done something with such certainty that like, ah, this is the way, like I drive this way every day when I go from A to B and that's the best way to go. So you, you're never even open to the possibility of another way that might save you 20 minutes or something because <laughs> you know, this is the way I go. This is how I do it, you know, <laughs> it's perfect. So there's something to just having that kind of openness to see things a different way that may or may not benefit you, but to see things a different way, just be open to learning, I guess. So I'm always curious. I do this this way. I like the way I do it. I like my results. But, you know, is there something even better rather than just kind of being happy in the same old, same old? A lot of people are resistant to change, myself included, but sometimes change can be like a huge thing. We just get very comfortable in the way we do things. So just Mm -hmm. being open to kind of not being so tough. Yeah, that's a, that's a great word. I was like, have you been in the car with me and my husband? Because we used to drive each other crazy. Drive oh, really? the same place. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a universal marriage thing because myself, like, first of all, I'm such a control freak. I drive everywhere. Uh, but every now and again, I'll hop my husband's truck and he drives and I'm just like, why are you going this way? This is like the slowest way. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's probably universal with um, married couples. <laughs> What's the number one resource or book or something that for you along your way, you feel really helped you out a lot that you would recommend for an entrepreneur? 
There have been so many. Um, like I'm an avid reader. I probably read about, and when I say read, I mean listen. There have been so many books that have just been great. It's really weird. It's like a, a universal thing, but they come to you at times when you need them. Sometimes like I'll pop on a podcast and it's like, oh my God, that, that is the message I needed to learn or needed to hear today. But for me, it's connection with peers. So for me, it's very important to be connected in either a mastermind group or have people that... The other thing about an entrepreneur is like, nobody knows what the heck you do or why you do it. It's like, it's crazy. You work in all these... So just having that connection and having sounding boards that you can just call up and just be totally vulnerable with and say, okay, I feel like, you know, insert word here today, I'm insecure about this. I feel like I want to cry right now. This is what's going on. And I just don't know what to do. But having that sounding board that you can be heard and maybe sometimes other person doesn't even need to talk. It's just that by the time you get it all out, you're like, okay, now I know the solution. Thanks. (laughs) You know, having that connection, I think for me is probably the most important thing. And it comes in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's like a one-way connection because I'm just listening to something on Audible or on a podcast. Sometimes it's calling up a friend and talking through something and getting some clarity on it. That element of being connected. Before you go, please tell us a little bit about, guys, if you want to get more information about Sheila, go to connectedsponsors.com forward slash finding sponsors. Please tell us just a little bit about what's there, Sheila. Yeah, so this is a training that actually came through BNI as well. When I was in BNI, we used to do uh, visitor days a couple of times a year because we were trying to grow our chapter. And one of the things that BNI thought was follow your checkbook. If you're currently doing business with somebody, would they be a good prospect to have in BNI? And I started thinking of it in terms of sponsorship and especially in terms of people who teach what they do. You know, if you're teaching somebody again, like how to invest in real estate or how to grow your business or whatever it is that you're teaching, what are the resources you use and what are the resources you used when you first started? And are these something that your listeners or your audience or your students would find useful? So I put together kind of a training. It's like a 15, 20 minute training. It's on a software called OnePager, which you can actually go in. It's editable. So you can go in and fill out for yourself and save it. And it's your own thing. So if you're thinking about like where to find sponsors, that's a really good place to start. It's low hanging fruit. It's people you're already talking to, paying money to every month. And it's just a great way to kind of get that thought process going. It brings you down a rabbit hole of like many sponsors. So a great mm-hmm. way when you're first thinking of it to kind of just brainstorm for yourself. So I have that at connectedsponsors.com forward slash finding sponsors for everyone. And you can put it towards, you know, strategic partners or anything else as well. It's a concept. So for whatever it is you're trying to figure out, you can probably work in it like that. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much. Audience, please go there and make use of this help. Anything you can do to you know, level up in your business, you should do. Thank you so much for an absolutely amazing conversation. Thank you as well for having me here. Our final question is always, what has faith meant to you on your journey? I'm not particularly religious, but I am spiritual, if that makes sense. And, you know, like I mentioned, when you turn on the podcast and it's exactly the message you need to hear that day, uh, I just started reading a lot of uh, Gabby Bernstein and she talks about the universe and spirituality and stuff like that as well. And it, it just, the thing I'm reading at the moment, um, she's saying, look for a sign. Sometimes it's a number sign. And that, that hits me every now and again. Like there's certain numbers I see over and over and over again. And I'm like, oh, what's this telling me? So it's just, it's like a guiding path, but it's also like a feeling that I'm not alone on this, that there's someone or something out there that's kind of, guiding me through all of this as well which is just very comforting to me i do hope we get to chat again at the latest stage in time but thank you so much for today thank you if you got any value out of today's episode please do leave a review let us know how we can serve you better 
and let us know what kind of guests you'd like us to bring on and what exactly it is that you'd like to know. Also, connect with us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or visit our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com, where you can grab a free preview of our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. Thank you so much for listening in. We absolutely value your time and we value your input. Have a great day.